welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And the NBA is upside down. Some massive trades happened while I was fast asleep here on the West Coast. I don't think we're going to be talking about anything impacted by those trades necessarily, although the Lakers will be without Russell Westbrook moving forward. Uh, But we do have four games for you guys tonight, so we're going to take a look at a couple of those and our player props as we're doing each and every weekday, so make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have all of our great written content for you and our odds finder tool that you can use to make sure you're getting the best odds available from all those U.S. sports books giving you guys NBA bets this season. Nate, let's get into this four-game slate and then talk about our first game, which is the Magic hosting the Nuggets. Yeah, and the Nuggets are minus six and a half here in Orlando with a 232 total. Then we got Bulls plus one at the Nets, who, um, you know, now moving on without both those stars. It's going to be the Cam Thomas show. Uh, The Bulls, you know, still could trade one of their guys before that game kicks off, so we'll stay away. The Suns are going to be without now, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, sent uh, to Brooklyn for Durant. We'll see how they do at Atlanta. That spread has only moved from plus five to plus seven uh, with those two key wings out. So interesting, but tough to pick there. And then the other game we're looking at, Bucks minus six and a half at the Lakers with a 240 total. Uh, Nuggets on the road here. Uh, the first thing you look at is dramatic dip in offense and You could say some of that lately is the fact that Jokers missed three of their last six road games. Uh, Jamal Murray has missed four straight road games and might very well sit tonight. Uh, He's dealing with inflammation in his knee. And so obviously it's going to hurt offensively without them. But even with Joker in there, they failed to cover in three straight on the road. Um, You look at 12 road games overall, mostly with Joker in there, 110 a game. Uh, 11 threes versus 14 at home, basically. And uh, the assist to turnover ratio, far, far worse. I mean, nearly 16 turnovers per game and 26 assists, whereas they lead the league in everything at home. The best offensive rating by far. Uh, And they're one in six against the spread as road favorites recently. So that's usually when Jokic is in there. They are still favored. That being said, I'm not as bullish on the Magic as you are. Um, I know they gave the Nuggets trouble last time they met um, in Denver and Denver was on a back-to-back there kind of you know messed around and then pulled it out late and they did lose in Orlando um, that was a, a long time ago though at this point and and Joker does have pretty bad splits his last four road games in Orlando I mean terrible by his standards 113 offensive rating 19 and a half points eight and a half assists so rather than trying to figure out <clears throat> a six and a half point spread. I would just take under 232. It's down a half a point at this point. But I mean, the Nuggets scoring since we turned to the calendar here, 107 on the road versus 124 at home. Offensive rating 16 points worse. Assist to turnover ratio, again, a mile worse. And 26th in efficiency versus by far the most efficient offense at home. Uh, the pace is also a bit slower. 21st in pace on the road in that span. And struggling from the three-point line, which I think is the biggest key here. Orlando always struggling from the three-point line, particularly of late. And both these teams are kind of a bit of a packet in defense. Um, I mean, and Orlando is seventh in three-point defense, but they give up a high percentage of points off threes. So if Denver's not hitting on the road, or I don't think Orlando's hitting anywhere, and if Orlando's not getting the free-throw line, uh, which Denver is slightly above average denying that, I just don't think there's going to be a ton of points here. Um, 
Orlando, if you look at their last five home games, second slowest pace in the league uh, and under under in their last two because they're scoring just 103 and hitting eight threes in those two games. Yeah, it's scary to try to think of taking it over um, when you're talking about the Orlando Magic. I'll, I'll agree to that. I, I think it does depend a bit the type of um, game that they're playing. Um, when they've been on the road, they really just sort of succumb to whatever it is that the other team does, uh, and they play that way, um, going under and and, on, and you know on the road a ton, except for when they're playing the Timberwolves, uh, right? But they're going under versus the 76ers and the Heat, um, going over against teams that don't play defense uh, usually, you know, even at home. Um, and and that, that Nuggets game last time, you know, did did go over as well by about a point on that spread. Um, you talk about there weren't nearly as many guys in, but all that to say, this is in Orlando. Um, not that Orlando has been like world beaters at home in any category. They're pretty much, you know, hovering around the middle of the pack with with most of the, the you know key categories that you look at. They're not necessarily the worst at anything, but they're pretty much middle of the pack when it comes to, you know, any other type of the way that they're scoring, um, even playing defense uh, other than limiting points in the paint um, and to a degree, you know, second chance points uh, as well. Um, I, there's not much that you like for, for them. They're not like necessarily creating a ton of, of turnovers. Um, and they're certainly, you know, not getting out on the fast break, although they are limiting that, um, you know, at home as of late. So I think the, the way that they've been playing, you know, look at their last five at home, specifically 116 defensive rating, um, pretty much the same offensive rating, uh, maybe a little a tick lower and then, you know, get really sort of handling business a bit more than they were on, on the defensive glass, um, you know, not allowing second chance points like I said and limiting those pain points as well which they weren't wonderful at but they also were missing Wendell Carter Jr. for a few weeks or almost a month at one point in which you know that that's where they sort of dwindled and those stats have come a long way back I mean Moritz Wagner as your backup center is great for being able to stretch an offense um, but it's not necessarily good for limiting points in the paint so with him you know with, with Wendell back and, and their sort of full rotation of guys in there Mobamba out obviously tonight but um, I still think that they're able to sort of limit what Denver wants to do a bit more if Denver's not going to be hitting threes quite as well not saying that they won't but you, you brought up all of the uh stats and how much better they are on the road um or excuse me at home versus on the road it's 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 not even close and you know six percentage points worse from deep as well i also just like the you know the the, the free throw well, let me just start here the free throw attempts are crucial right like you, you talk about how the how, how dependent the magic are on free throw attempts to be able to to win games and when they lose they're 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 only shooting about 24 free throws a game when they're winning in all their wins this season, they're shooting 28 and they, they do get a few more calls at home as is the expectation as well to get to the line. Um, but really more so. And, and I should also add Denver's um, defense in terms of like limiting free throw attempts, not, bad but not great and over the last uh roughly like 15 games it's gone from about 15th best in uh you know middle of the pack in terms of limiting free throws to actually giving up uh, a few more of those and falling you know worse than 20th so um there's an opportunity for them to keep this game close to orlando with, with points but um the thing that i really like is how well they're playing against the west and there's some oddities to the fact that they are uh, a league best when it comes to non-conference games against the spread 14 and 6 versus the west um like i said a few oddities in there with one where you know joker missing um, and one where Jaws missing, et cetera, that kind of thing. But still, play, you know, in the, that's still 20 games against the West that they've covered in 14 of them, seven and two in their last nine against the spread versus the West. And in those nine, uh, 116 and a half a game, giving up about 116 a game gets us right about that total. Um, they've been playing at about a hundred pace and still, you know, 12 made threes, not good. 28 free throw attempts, 
Very good. Um, so that's what they've been doing against the West. I, I don't know how they're prepped for it, but it is sort of also relevant to the fact that they've played a ton of Eastern Conference teams in a row and then a ton of Western Conference teams in a row. So it, it allows for some streakiness in that sense. Uh, right now, they're just sort of in a back and forth. They're playing both conferences equally. But it, like I said, most importantly, what's the style of play that they're playing against? They sort of just succumb to that. And these Nuggies are playing poorly on the road on offense and slow and choppy. So I think you can expect Orlando to, to come along for that ride. Yeah, and the one thing you really can depend on with Orlando is defending the paint, right? I mean, sixth in limiting paint points, second chance points, just held the Knicks to 36 paint points, and that's heavily interior-based, also held them to 19 free throws. Nuggets don't get to the free throw line nearly as much. And where they struggle defensively again, yeah, is three-point defense on the road, is assists on the road uh, or in general. And Orlando's just not really that type of team to share the ball and really pick you apart uh, with 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 assists. So I just don't think either offense is going to be taken off. In fact, one offense could completely um, flounder here. I mean, or and it, and it was Denver's the last two times they've hit the road here after long home stretches. Um, they they've gone under a hundred points uh, last like four times. I mean, they've lost three of them. They beat the Clippers. Only got one fifteen in that one though. But it's like after they're home, the emotional letdown of that first one on the road, they just can't bring any offense with them. Um, again, it's, it depends on who's sitting out. I think Jamal Murray will be out for this one. So, I mean, that is a big hit. Um, and, and I just think, yeah, if they win this game, it's probably going to be with with some pretty good defense and fourth quarter clutch play. But I don't, I don't really see them necessarily pulling away. I have a hard time taking the spread either way. I actually am fine, uh, honestly, with the six and a half. I know that's scary because comes down to it. You put you know Denver on the line if you're trying to come back, and and you boom, Bob's your uncle. You got seven points, but uh, I still believe a, a bit more in in what Den you know in Orlando, and and also just believe in the fact that Denver in this type of situation just doesn't seem to kind of give a shit as much if we're being completely honest. I mean, four of their last five as away faves um, failing to cover. You, you talked about a few of those numbers earlier. So I'm, I'm believing in that. And if, if Jamal Murray doesn't play as well, you know, it creates a bit more problems for them on offense, obviously um, only helping us a bit more on this under uh, to hit. So, and then the Lakers, yeah, plus six and a half now at home. It it's crept up a little bit. Total has also been bet up two points to two forty. Um, Russ Westbrook traded overnight, as you mentioned. And I, I think that at least shakes things up from an emotional standpoint. We were looking at a, just a depleted Lakers team that LeBron finally gets the record. It's a, it's a big night and they still can't beat the thunder. And that's just like really emotionally exhausting. And they host a red hot bucks team. That's got an extra day's rest on them. It would have been a spot where maybe they just fold. Uh, they definitely can't afford to fold at this point in the season. But I think getting rid of Russ, I, I mean, as much as he was actually helping them from a basketball standpoint, I just don't think they anybody liked each other in that locker room. I just think it was it was a toxic environment. Um, and we saw, at least with the Mavs, like the just the idea that this trade has gone through, that you've got reserves coming, that your, your roster is going to be much better in a few days is enough to spark them to beat Utah without Luka or Kyrie uh, and then continue to play really well, even though Kyrie didn't necessarily carry them in their second game. It, it's, you know, the Lakers are going to be much, much better once they get those three guys in here. They needed depth so badly. I, I I see people, you know, downgrading this trade because of the pick five years down the line, but just like, who cares right now? Like, right right now, the Lakers are, are much better positioned to make a run now. Uh, and I think that's going to galvanize both LeBron and AD. 
And I just think the Bucks are going to have to lose eventually. I mean, they're playing incredible ball here in their last eight. Maybe unsustainable three-point shooting, which we we talked about going into that Portland game on Monday. Um, but really like the matchup more against Portland. Uh, a pretty weak interior defense, but also like the under. And I think it's it's another situation where the Bucks probably won't continue to score at this insane rate. The pace has been slightly slowing down. I think the Lakers can slow it down more because the last 15 games we've been on this, that the Lakers are no longer playing at that breakneck pace, especially once they got AD in there. They're playing much more of a half-court game. Um, nine and six to the under in that 15, but five and two to the under their last seven when they're home dogs. Also covered in four of those six um, as home dogs here. So, I mean, you might disagree with me, but I, I did have the Lakers beating the Bucks earlier this season with AD going off for 44. Um, I just think it's another spot where it's just, they're an elite team like the Nuggets, but when they face the Lakers, when they face Anthony Davis and LeBron, it's, it's just a bit of a different story in terms of being at least a physical tough game for them. Um, so I'm go, I'm leaning under at 240 and probably leaning the Lakers to cover. If not, you, you know, maybe the plus 200 on the money line. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it kind of differently. I I really am. I'm looking at it because I was. I guess I'm just still have that that memory of the third quarter and the fourth quarter of that uh, Thunder game, just sort of etched in my mind, where I'm watching LeBron unable to run back on defense because he's so tired from scoring 36 points in three quarters. Because that was what that night was about. Um, I thought. Well, he got that out of the way. Did. Now, now he can just play basketball. He can just play basketball. But is he not exhausted? Like I, I feel tired watching this Lakers team. I feel tired watching him do what he did physically on the court. Then watching him. <laughs> tell Anthony Davis that he loved him on the bench in a moment that seemed really odd because AD seems like it was almost like an exit interview. <laughs> like LeBron was talking to him. Like, I just want you to know, I love you on your way out the door. Like it's been real. Uh, and AD didn't even stand up when he made his last shot. So it just seems like there's a little bit more trouble in paradise than just the Russell Westbrook thing. That's kind of what I'm, you know, banking on a bit. I think, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know if AD doesn't love him anymore, um, but I do know that, you know, AD didn't really show up in that game at all. Maybe that's because it was about the King. And and to, to the point of maybe what we talk about a little bit more in player props, um, you know, rather than even considering like a LeBron under necessarily, although his props are high for someone that I, I don't know if he's going to be playing the whole game tonight, um, partly because I do think the Bucks are capable for a blowout here, um, you know, but it, it, maybe AD does do a little bit more and, and like he did last game uh, against this Bucks team, knowing how crucial it is that they have a, an inside presence and somebody that can really, you know, be at least sort of the, the anchor of a defense while Giannis is running full steam at it. And then also box out a guy like Brolo when he has to. So I think he's ready for that challenge. I, I, I hope he is. I, I say that, but I, I don't know for sure. I do see this as an opportunity for the Bucks kind of licking their chops a bit is, is kind of how I see it. Um, and, and I think the six points is, is reasonable in this one. I think it could get out of hand, which is also why I kind of think that the, uh, the, the Lakers uh, might not be able to get to their props in, in terms of LeBron and, and some of the, his stuff. But um, I think Middleton playing is, is a big deal. And, and that's kind of what I was uh, writing down earlier before we were talking here that, you know, in his, he's played 15 games and he's been around for these last eight uh, that they've won in a row. And, and in the 15 games he's played versus the 39 that he hasn't, they've scored 120 with him and 112 without him. Um, you know, 
they get a few more boards a game. Their splits are way better, including 48% from the field versus 45. Um, and then 40% from deep, they get a couple more free throws a game. He hasn't even been doing much in the last seven that he's played. It's just 15, five boards, four points, you know, normal like role player stuff, but it's the threat of him being there. It's another big body playing defense on the wing, um, you know, which outside of him, you know, on the wing after that, they get a little bit smaller, um, you know, even obviously Drew's fine, but then you, after that, they do get a little bit smaller there. Hel- helpful to have him back there. So I, I you know, their defense in, in the last eight, not awesome. Um, I, I don't like the fact that they've given up a ton of points to some, some, you know, decently bad offensives. I think it was a little bit too close in certain games as well. Um, but I, you know, in, in this one, like I do think it's a situation where they have an opportunity to really put the clamps on, on the, on the Lakers and kind of run on them. And the Lakers have scored and won by running fast and playing at a fast pace. Um, I, I mean, maybe, you know, you, you mentioned that AD coming back does help the the slower pace, um, but that's also why I don't think they can win. I, even when AD's in there, they you know, when the second unit comes on and now you've got Russell Westbrook on it, that's where your pace increases. And that's the only way that they were really getting points at times and say what you want about Russ. He was a sort of, you know, break glass for emergency bucket kind of guy when it just came to use your athleticism to out athleticize everybody and get to the rim. Right. Um, so I, I think that without that, they are going to miss that tonight. It does help the under, um, you know, because, especially because Russ doesn't exactly give it all on defense. Uh, but I do think that for, for the bucks tonight, like they're in a prime position to be able to cover six points. Uh, it really helps the under. Yeah, you're you're definitely making my point for me there with the no rust on the second unit. Thank you. Um, also, you said the Bucks are playing not overwhelming you with defense. Their defense has been absolutely incredible in the last five. How are you both first and second in in an opponent's two point shooting and second in opponent's three point shooting? Third in assists allowed. Uh, you know, sixth in fast break points. They're just denying everything. The the reason that these games are looking crazy is because it's a 109 pace overall mm. in their last three road games, but it did slow down against Portland. I think the Lakers, because of that exhaustion you're talking about, definitely need to understand that they, they can't speed it up with this team. Um, and the last two meetings with the Bucks have gone under after six straight overs when they were kind of playing more of a freewheeling style. Um, they have kind of taken that approach uh, that that this needs to slow down. So, I, oh, I, I actually, it's the it's the reverse, isn't it? It's two overs after six straight unders. Yeah, because that that is the trend that we've seen recently. But look, I'm thinking is more about the Lakers. Five of their last eight unders at home. I mentioned the home underdog numbers and just the pace slowing down a little bit more, and the second unit slowing down more without Russ. To lean under, uh, but yeah, it should be just interesting to watch. I mean, we don't have to bet th- these ones on the trade deadline if if you are worried about how they're going to come out. But uh, do do check out our, our trade deadline show to talk about how we're going to a- attack this. The rest definitely, of the yeah, that's going to be a fun one. And and I would just throw one more out there to to you said I made your point. You're also making my point in the sense that if this game goes a little bit slower, uh, like I said, I don't think that's good for the Lakers. I don't think they can play at that pace. The Bucks are, you know, they want to play at that 109 pace as well, but I think that they'll do it better than the Lakers. Uh, and and that even if the Lakers try to slow this one down, it's not in their favor. As in their wins, they play at a, about a one more, they get one more possession per 100 than in their losses, playing a little bit slower when they lose. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? 
Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into our first prop a fan fa- or show favorite, I should say, Drew Holiday. Yeah, and he hasn't really flashed a ton of usage this season, uh, except for that three-game or five-game stretch where Giannis was out. He was on fire, and then he's kind of uh, you know slowed down with the usage again, but still 20 points per game, eight assists per game on the road his last 10 here, 27% usage rate for Drew. So that's 28 points and assists, and we're looking at 26.5 as a prop for points and assists. Against the Lakers team that gives up the most points per game to point guards, eighth most assists to point guards, second most threes. He's averaging 20 and 8 against them, again, in his last five. And playing heavy minutes, um, I do expect this game to be kind of close. And and Josh thinks, you know, the Bucs are going to blow him out. I'm not as sure. I think the Lakers are going to be a little bit galvanized by the absence of Russell Westbrook. But in any case... Holiday should be doing uh, handling more facilitation here uh, with no Joe Ingles and and Chris Middleton still ways back away from being fully back. You know, his last nine with no Ingles, Holiday's averaging 24 points per game, 8.2 assists. Um, that includes you know, 35 and 11 against Indy and 24 and 11 against Miami. Granted, no Giannis in that game either. But yeah, we're talking about a Lakers team that, that gives up a lot of production to point guards. And, and Holiday, I, I think it's kind of a game where he slips through the cracks, really, while the Titans are, are battling their Giannis and AD and stuff. And it's just like, oh, look at that, Drew Holiday coming in clutch. So that's my take for that one. No, I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> Have some confidence. I believe in you in this one, too. Um, we Yeah, definitely want Drew to, to continue to get the, uh, the assist there. But I, I do think he'll continue to sort of play second scorer for right now, especially while, uh, while Chris Middleton, he's still on somewhat of a minutes restriction, still only averaging about 15 a game over his last seven. So I think there's a good reason to think the usage for, for Drew Boo will still be pretty high for us. So um going to go to an under in our second one here, Nate, and that is Nikola Vucevic. Um, minus 120 on DK for him to get less than 21 points tonight. Um, you could throw in the rebounds as well, 32 and a half points and rebounds. If you go under that, it's actually minus 106 on FanDuel. I think I would throw that in there for the extra, like less than 13 rebounds as well. Um, but you know, they're playing the Nets tonight, uh, a Nets team that is going to look way different without Kevin Durant, uh, out there as well. Although Cam Thomas seems unstoppable, um, in his last seven versus Brooklyn. And by the way, Nick Claxton also looking like a complete madman on defense, playing really well over his last five, uh, with individual defensive rating of like 108. Um, but Vooch, uh, in his last seven versus the Nets overall, 12, uh, points per game, 10.6 boards there on 36% from the field and just a 97 individual offensive rating 
He is hot over his last three, so you have to have a little bit of uh, chutzpah, as we say, to take an under on him right now. But 24 a game and 13 boards, two of those were at home, not on the road like this one. And if you look at those three, we're talking about the Spurs without Jakob Pertl, uh, the inside eater, uh, Blazers without Nurk, and then Memphis when uh, the Bulls played without uh, DeMar. And that's why, you know, there was a, a much bigger usage for Vooch in that one. His road splits so much better, uh, you know, at home so far than on the road, but he still gets less than 20 a game and about 13 boards there. Um, and yeah, the Nets in general uh, this year, they're, they're much better rebounding team at home than they were. They're not great. It's a little bit scary to, to think about it because they're a little bit weak down low. Um, but like we were saying, you know, Vooch also, I don't know that you can depend on him to be the one to get those points down low. Uh, and I, I believe a little bit more in Nick Claxton, what he's been doing uh, in that center role since, you know, basically since Kyrie just decided he was not he was done with this team. Yeah, I'm a little interested in the Nets to win this game, too. I mean, <clears throat> I feel like there's still a shoot to drop. I feel like the Bulls are going to trade somebody before 3 p.m. here. Uh, so we'll see. You know, maybe Vooch will be playing without Levine or DeRozan, and, the, and his usage will spike because of that. But, I mean, the Nets have clearly a great game plan in place to deal with him. 12 points per game in seven meetings, uh, seven of his eight since he joined Chicago. And Jock Vaughn was the guy crafting up those game plans and now he's the head guy. So <clears throat> I think they'll, they'll keep him under 20 points regardless. And we, we should see a pretty uh, competitive game from the new look nets. This is actually my favorite bet here. It's just not a big enough name, I guess, to lead with, but Aaron Gordon, seven rebounds at plus plus one fifteen. Uh, you know, in a matchup with his former team, love that former team theory, averaging just over seven boards and 19 points per game in four against Orlando since he was traded uh, a couple of years ago. And that includes a really efficient 24.7 rebound game just last month against them. But the real reason I like it, I mean, is, is I think Jamal Murray's going to sit uh, in his last three without Murray. His usage has gone up 6%, 26.5%. Minutes have gone up uh, to 33.5 from 295 and, you know, so you want to tack on points and rebounds, 24 and a half, sure. But I think the rebounds are just too low. He's averaging nearly nine boards per game on the road since we turned to January here versus just six at home. And that's because the Nuggets are worse offensively on the road. Uh, they're playing choppier games. And, and Orlando is exactly the type of team that's going to play choppy. They're 25th in offensive rating at home. They're, they're a very poor offensive team, uh, and, and, don't, and I don't think they're going to do great in this matchup necessarily. So enough board opportunities here for Gordon. And when Murray's out, he's often you know the, one of the prime options for Jokic to just find him cutting and, and get him going. Totally, yeah. Once, once Murray's out, kind of turn to Gordon and maybe some Bruce Brown stuff for those, those cutters off of Jokic, like you're saying. But, but yeah, Gordon, Gordon, a pretty good play here. Six and a half rebounds, I mean – a plus one fifteen. That's what it's about. Like I would love it if it was at five and a half, but those odds at six and a half, I think you got to feel pretty good about the boards in that sense. Um, not sure what the points will be like tonight for either of these teams, as we expect it to be kind of ugly. Um, but that just enhances the, uh, the opportunity for rebounds as well. So with some plus odds there, I think that's uh, that's my favorite bet for it with you as well. Um, we were looking for an under. We were looking for something in this Suns and Hawks game um, because this could go one of two ways, right? Like, like CP3 and DeAndre Ayton could come out and, oh, by the way, Devin Booker's not playing. That's a huge uh, sort of in impact here, right? That's going to have a big effect on what we're talking about here. But 
but are they going to fold? Are they going to be angry? Uh, or, you know, are they going to come out and be like, uh, not necessarily fold, but are they going to come out and sort of be like, you know, we're ready to go and we're pumped? Or are they going to come out and sort of just be like, I can't wait till these guys get here and be a little bit I, I, distracted? You know, I'm not totally sure either way. The prop for CP3 is very high. And I think that it's in part due. Obviously, Booker is not in. He's got a few more points per game when Book's out this season. Um, but, you know, I think it's also high because I think they do think the Suns are sort of elated and, you know, walking on on sunshine. I didn't mean to do that. Um, but in his last 10, you know, 17 and a half points is way too high for CP3. So I'm going under on that minus 106 on FanDuel for it. If you want to throw the the, the points and reba- the rebounds and assists in there as well, the super high 30 and a half points, rebounds and assists combined minus 104 on FanDuel would like under that as well, please. Um, in his last 10, we're talking about 14 points a game. He only went over that points prop three different times there. Um, and in his last four total, nine points a game, seven assists per game in, in 32 minutes. Um, so, you know, just not nearly as much scoring for him. Atlanta is only allowing is allowing less than eight assists uh, to point guards over their last 15 games, playing a little bit better defense and definitely DeJounte stamp, stepping it up in that sense. Um, and in his five, last five versus Atlanta, specifically CP3, just 11 points per game and seven assists in that time frame as well. Um, and even, like I said, with Booker in or with Booker out, he's got, 15 a game, two more points than he's averaging this season when Booker's not playing or when Booker is playing, I should say. Um, but 15 a game does still is not even close enough to get you, you know, to that to that 18 points that he needs tonight. Um, so I, I just don't see it, it happening for him uh, as I haven't been able to see it for a while now. Yeah, because I mean, Paul's just not a scorer at this point in his career. He's not that's not his primary look. So if the Suns are competitive in this game and do get galvanized by the the eventual arrival of Durant. I don't think it's going to be because CP3's, you know, putting up 25 and, and, and 15 and Aiton's going nuts either. I, I think it's because guys like Dwayne Washington out of nowhere are like, oh, okay, it's my time to shine. Damian Lee, where we saw those random pop-up games when everybody was out and just the supporting cast is enough. And because Atlanta's so freaking weird and there's no way we can try to predict how they're going to handle this situation. So uh, yeah, but I think there are a lot of scenarios where Paul goes under the points and probably under the PRA too, which is good odds at FanDuel 30 and a half total there. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to be rebounding much against this right. Hawks team either. Right. The only reason to be scared of the points, rebounds, and assists is all of a sudden he's got 15 assists or something like that. And then you're like, ah, oh, damn, that's a little bit scarier. But still, the points, I think he goes well enough under 18. That I don't even think he can really get to another prop combo uh, that involves the points. So that is all the time we have for you today. One of the more interesting four-game slates because it's coming on trade deadline with some madness for sure. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Check out the other couple game videos we have up for you today. Also going to have that trade deadline uh, video and what that means in terms of the futures markets here in the NBA. So until we see you next, happy betting. Happy betting.